We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I am your host, Stuart Douglas. We're just going to be breaking down the UNC game today in this episode. Keep pretty quick. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts. First, I want to shout out to my guy, Joey Baker, hitting that three at the end, hitting me the over, one point over. Shout out to Joey, who I think should be possibly stealing more minutes here and there, but we'll get into that a little bit. I wanted to start out with a little story from my rec league days. A few summers ago, we're in the rec. We're in the, the Jewish Community Center in, in Indianapolis. This team's talking trash to me. They actually had another uh, overseas pro on their team. They're talking trash, talking trash, talking trash. End of the game, there's about 30 seconds left. We're up 10. The game's over, even more than that, probably. So then I start going off. I wasn't talking the whole game. I start talking trash the entire rest of the 30 seconds, like really going at them. And they're like, what's this all about? Like, you, the game's already over. Why are you talking trash? It's like, well, yeah, why, why would I talk trash before the game was over and then we lose and I look like an idiot? That doesn't make any sense to me. I want to talk trash because I just beat your ass. Like, what do you, I don't understand what the problem is here. So now I'm looking at Hunter. I'm looking at Hunter Dickinson talking trash to Sheboy. I'm, I'm, you know, rightfully so to Michigan State on his podcast, which is hilarious. And I don't know if he said anything <clears throat> about Armand Baycott, but he did not bring it at all to me it came down of a matchup now oversimplifying games first and foremost is just dumb 
like to say it came down to this when there's a million things that happen in a basketball game. <clears throat> but the fact that Hunter could not match Armand Baycott whatsoever, defensively, offensively, it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near what Hunter's level actually is. And I don't know if Hunter has been pumping himself up like in the Kentucky game, because I saw very similar things and we'll get into that a little bit or what he's doing exactly, but he's not, he wasn't bringing that intensity. In the Kentucky game, Sheway pushed him out of his spots, intimidated, intimidated him around the basket where either, I don't, he just doesn't have an off day. Like, this is how you know that it was Shibway because Hunter just doesn't have off days like that, really. If somebody that he knows he's better than, like he's hitting all these five footers and he couldn't, he just didn't have it. I mean, he had shot under 50% against Kentucky and it wasn't pretty. And he still had 20 some points, but all those points when he was the most, most aggressive was against the backups. Super aggressive. Like didn't, ever, didn't think twice, went to the basket, used his strength, went up. No problem. Shibway in, not the same story. Wednesday night gets Armand Baycott, similar similar story to Shibway. He just wasn't comfortable. He shot two like 10 footers for air balls, real quick shots. And because he didn't want to make Armand work. I don't know. He didn't he didn't want to he didn't want to challenge him physically in the post. I thought that Hunter got better position than he did in the Kentucky game, but he didn't really take advantage of it. And he really wasn't super aggressive. I mean, they they gave the, him the ball a lot. They double teamed a few times. They North Carolina did a good job of mixing and matching what they were doing against Hunter. But overall, I just thought that he shied away a little bit from the Armand Baycott matchup. And some of it has to do with the fouls. Like we've seen it before, you get two fouls and you got. You know, Terrence played all right in the first half for the first few possessions, but wasn't going to be a matchup for Armand Baycott. And I think Hunter got those two fouls, got a little scared of fouling. There was a possession in the second half. It was Armand's first post-up. It was his first possession posting up. And Hunter is on the left block, on the right block. And Hunter's trying to force him baseline, right? He's just really really kind of forcing the baseline, not playing straight up at all, like really showing him the baseline because that double team was supposed to come. Kobe was late. Kobe fouled him and won. And I think some of that was, okay, Hunter's got two fouls, guys. Let's change up the game plan a little bit. I mean, they tried to do it sometimes in the first half. It didn't really work. It was a little discombobulated, to be honest. There was a lot of times where they were going and over committing when they were out of position. But, but anyways, they went to that strategy when Hunter got in foul trouble. And I think it just kind of set a tone for him. Like, all right, I'm not going to foul. Like we're going to play straight up and play tall and not be super aggressive. And I don't know if that hurts him offensively or not, but it just kind of seems like if he's not going to be aggressive, I mean, he really didn't have like, he didn't have a good game at all for Hunter. It was a, it was a bad game for Hunter and that's how good Hunter is. And they were still within reach at the end and not playing super well. So this team is capable, but when you have, you're going to need Hunter to be aggressive for as many minutes as he's on the court. If you want to make a run like they did last year, if you want to get to the sweet 16, you want to get to the elite eight. I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. It's going to be interesting to see how they adjust, but they, a sweet 16 would be an amazing season. Elite eight would be an amazing season. I mean, obviously beyond that, but I think in terms of where they're, 
you know, outlook can be like realistic outlook. I think it's kind of, it's kind of there, um, you know, tournament is a crapshoot anyways, but it's, it's going to take Hunter. It's going to take Hunter giving it his best the entire time. And I thought defensively how they started out was really good. Offensively, they started out pretty well and they had some spurts here and there. I didn't like kind of the hesitancy that they were showing early on when, when UNC was getting them on their heels, playing pressure defense, but the defense was really good. Hunter hedged. He hedged harder than I'd seen all season. And, you know, I had um, talked to Eric Shapiro about that last podcast. Like, what are they going to do? They got, are they just going to play under on UNC? Like, is that what they're going to do? They've been doing that all last few games. They did it against Virginia, uh, against Kentucky. And if you're going to do it against UNC and you're going to get those guys going, it's going to be trouble. So they they hard hedge right away. And it looked really good. Really, really good. But again, you get under with two fouls with already sitting out in the first half. And he's got two fouls with, you know, starting the second half. And they're running these ball screens. And he's a little tired with two fouls, not as aggressive. It's not a good look. They got easy dunks off of it. Uh, they got open threes off of their ball screen offense. It just it just really wasn't pretty. But they started out like they showed that they could do it. The issue is depth there. And Hunter foul, got in foul trouble in the first half. So did Doug. Harris came in, gave Nance a real beautiful Hakeem shimmy. And then the rest of the game, he just wasn't confident. You can see that the talent was there. Like, that kid will be just fine. He'll be talented. I think you got to work on, you know, his confidence with his vision when he has the ball in his hands. I think he can be a threat there. You saw some of that in high school. I think I hope they develop that a little bit because, I mean, if you can break guys down as a big man from the free throw line one on one, that that's a that's a big deal. So hopefully they start they keep developing that. But you can see that his confidence wasn't there, and he's he's a young kid, eighteen. I don't know if I don't think he's nineteen, but a young kid, not a lot of experience in these big games, and so it's just going to take a lot of time to to rely on him for fifteen minutes of playing backup. I don't know what he did at tonight. I'm recording this right after. Um, let's see. Terrace. 13 minutes. That's a lot. Like, I know Hunter's got to sit. Hunter had 27 minutes. Yeah, so Hunter should be playing minimum 32 minutes. Like, maybe, you know, a couple three-minute stretches here and there right before some media timeouts and strategic spots. But, like, to have, especially against UNC, um, especially against Baycott. Like, Baycott just went at him. He gave him the little guy um, hand gesture after a post-up, which I don't know how you really respond to that. That's just devastating, but that's like the new thing that everyone's doing. Like little kids are doing it. It's kind of bizarre. It pisses me off, to be honest with you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But other than that, like, you didn't have any minutes off the bench. The depth there is an issue. Joey Baker played 19 minutes. But the, the depth is an issue there. So to play against a team like UNC was shooting off of the ball screens and to have a guy like Hunter who's not used to it and you have to reserve his energy anyways, like it's a, it's a tough task. And I don't really know what you do there. You just, I think you kind of mix it up. I think you throw in that zone there every once in a while. Um, keep, you got to keep the hedging in there though. You're going to play enough talented guards where, the alternative that they have been doing is the drop coverage and they're just not playing it well. Like they just don't have the spacing, the, what what am I trying to say? The word that I'm looking for, like the intelligence to play within space defensively. Like you would see Doug come off of a ball screen from the left wing. He's going to his right hand towards the middle. And Terrence Williams is on kind of lane line extended, almost in between the lane line and the wing on the right side. Okay. And Nance, is there, I mean, granted, he's huge. And he's, I don't know how tall he is. His wingspan is probably over seven feet. And he's there in the passing lane. And Armand really doesn't have to hedge that hard, show a little bit, and then get back to Hunter and really not get too detached from him. And then Nance is in the passing lane, strong side, waiting for Doug. And he, you know, can cover all of it. He's like, all right, if you want to drive, I'm right here. And also, you know, you're not really passing out to a wide open Terrence. Like, I can recover in time. And that that is part of the offense that I do want to get into. But – Michigan doesn't have that defensive unity. I don't even know if UNC is a good defensive team, but like with ball screens there, they were they were doing a pretty good job with it. They were hard hedging pretty well. And all in all, just kind of recovering, being in those passing lanes, being able to show that they're there, which is half of the game. Half of defense is being in position to be in position, as Beeline would always say. It is there so they know you're there. Like you don't it's a wide open lane. For a guy like a Caleb Love, it's like, okay, you're going to give it to me. But if you're there in the passing lanes, in the driving lanes, in the paint, and he's like, okay, this might be a little harder for me to do, so I'm not going to be as aggressive. And anytime you can shut down aggressiveness as a defense, that's a huge win. You do that enough times over the course of a game or for the majority of the possession over the course of the game, that adds up real, real quick. And then that's exactly what UNC was doing. You, you, you know, uh, Michigan – was in there. They, in the first half, were scoring pretty well at will, really. Just taking advantage of their spots. I don't know if UNC was playing horrible defense. It wasn't great, but Michigan was just taking care of their, uh, taking advantage of their spots that they had. And then UNC, Hubert you know, Taylor's just freaking out on the sideline. That dude is, needs a Xanax, but he's freaking out. Their guys start to get into the ball hard. And what I would have liked to see at that point, as soon as you start pressuring Doug from 80 feet, what I like to would have seen, what I would have liked to see Doug do, English is hard, but I'd like to see Doug do is to attack it right away. And I know Doug's a young point guard and he's in this role. He's been in this role very briefly and he wants to run the sets a lot of times. And I think that would have been a time where it's like, all right, go break it. Like they're, they are disrespecting you, thinking that they can guard you 80 feet. Everyone go space out. Doug, go to the basket and and 
you know, wait for Armand to come help and then or dump and or go for a layup, wait for Armand to come help and dump it off to Hunter and somebody else helps. And then next person, like make punish them. You have to punish them. It's the same with the ball screen. If you're going to hard hedge me with the ball screen, I'm going to punish you for it. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit about or I'm going to get in the offense here in a, in a second. But UNC got Michigan on their heels and it was perfect timing when I, you know especially when especially when Doug went out and especially when Hunter went out and they're kind of looking around who they're going to play and I think there's a few very unique lineups out there tonight like Joey Terrence and Terrace maybe even at one point or it, it, there was just not not a lot of typical lineups there for that first half when, when guys were in foul trouble but you have to punish that type of defense when like I was saying you can make the offense lack aggression with your defense, whether that's uptight, whether you're being aggressive yourself defensively, or you're being preventative in and in, in, um, denying aggressiveness from the offense. Like you can play both ways. Defense is not just being up in guys. Like, you know, you can say, and I think Doug gets some of this, not that saying he's a bad defender, but you can be the type of guy that guards 80 feet for a, a lot of minutes, for a lot of possessions, and you, maybe you get like a one or two steals out of it, but you're letting up wide open driving lanes. You're letting up letting up baskets um, from that pressure defense, or even just in the half court on the other other side of the uh, sort of side of the um, court when you're just in the half court defense. Like that guy will still be um, looked at as a good defender because he's aggressive and he's active and he gets like one or two like stat sheet. Uh, stuffing defensive plays it's it's bullshit it's honestly it's terrible like it goes this, it's the same way steals are dumb to me unless you're like super talented at it like a, like kobe's like really talented at it it depends how you're getting your steals like if you're just playing the passing lanes constantly and gambling if you're giving up more points by the way you get the steals than you are getting steals or, or generating points the other way then you're just dumb you're just a bad defender and you're and you're and it shouldn't be rewarded and it honestly should be punished harshly by coaches. I, I hate it. Same goes with um, rebounding. I think you can give, you can re- average seven rebounds a game from the four spot and be like, ah, oh, he's a really good rebounder. Well, the guy never boxes out and his man gets at least three offensive rebounds a game and that generates four to five points for the other team. That's horrible. That That's just not a good rebounder. You, you're good at going and getting the ball out of the air. That doesn't mean you're a good rebounder overall. So, there's big picture with a lot of these things. And again, big picture is aggressiveness from Michigan. And I think when they show, when they're well-oiled and they're showing confidence, they can be really good. Like they were showing confidence at times when they weren't getting any confidence from Hunter, which was, which was nice to see. It was a positive that they weren't getting any confidence from Hunter. They weren't feeding off Hunter, but the other guys were still doing their jobs. Like they're still trying to find their spots. Jace was being Jace, as always, finding spots. Kobe was amazing. I think he had 20-something, 22. He found his spots really well. Doug, not as much as he is capable, but was still there a little bit. And then Terrence, you know, still needs to be a little more aggressive. I tweeted it that Joey Baker was proving me right. I've been talking on this podcast for weeks now about how these guys need to be aggressive. Like, we're going to talk about taking the right shot, making the right play. Just be aggressive. It it, it completely paralyzed Jalen Llewellyn 
just trying to run the offense very timidly, not make mistakes. When you try, when you're not making mistakes, when you're thinking about not making mistakes, there's thinking about scoring. First of all, your, your brain literally doesn't know what no means. When you say don't make mistakes or don't miss, literally all your brain, the, the subject in your brain is miss. So when you say don't make a mistake or don't turn it over, that's, that's not, doesn't really bode well for your confidence or for what's about to happen. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this whole thing where it's like Doug Sprack, you know, when, when he first got the job, Jenna went down and he was going into uh, Minnesota. Doug is sporadic. I don't care. Just do something. Just be aggressive. If Jalen was 80%, three quarters of the percent as percentage as Doug was in that game, if he was all year, they'd be a very different team and Jalen would have been a very different player because he is capable of that. You have to show, you have to almost force your will on the other team. Like these guys are talented. They're, they're, they're talented. And to hinder talent, it does more than just like that one possession. You know, when you tell a guy like, don't take a shot like that, that's a bad shot. When, you know, he's going to hit a couple more tough shots during the game and you need those. That's in his mind like, oh, this is bad. Instead of just letting him forget about it, going out, knowing that he is capable of hitting tough shots and you're going to need one down the stretch. Now, if you're shooting 10 fadeaways a game, that's fine. But I understand nobody on this team does that. They they don't do it. Like Doug, to be honest with you, everyone that was concerned with him, and I haven't seen a time where I'm like, yeah, okay, he can make that. Now I know the the shooting percentage wasn't there before, but you're not you're not gonna win games anyways unless he's making those plays. Like you're not gonna win games anyways unless Terrence shoots threes. You're not gonna win games anyways unless Joey shoots contested shots. Like you're gonna have to make and take tough shots. And in order to make it easy on yourself, you got to take so much shots. You got to be a threat. That's that's my whole thing. Is you have to be just a threat. And getting back to my Joey Baker point, why he proved me right, is he came in and is a this one plays a microcosm of what I've been trying to say. He came in, he got a rebound or as a steal, maybe. Anyways, he got it at the free throw line on defense, and he just dribbled full court, and you could tell from about forty five feet that he was going to shoot a three. He strided into it, and he just shot a three in transition. I think Jace is in the right corner. Somebody was trailing behind him, maybe um, Kobe in the top of the key. Really nobody down low, and he shot it anyways. And Jace ended up crashing the boards and getting a tip in. And I do fully believe that, you know, this is anecdotal. I do fully believe that when you're aggressive, like good things come of it no matter what. Like, yeah, he didn't hit that shot, but another good thing came out of it. And Joy was was aggressive off the bench against UNC, and they're going to need more of that. But the whole point is, like, just do something. Like, we'll live with you making mistakes if you're going forward. <laughs> I can't stand watching talented, watching any talent play on their heels. Just play back, enter the offense from 40 feet, 
try and run handoffs. I totally understand. I've, I've, I've been there. I did that. I entered the offense with pressure on my side because Beeline said, run this set. And, you know, I, I was like, all right. And I'm like, look like I can't dribble basketball trying to hand it off to the wing and just get in the offense that is already doomed from the start because I've been handcuffed to run the set. And this isn't on Jawan. This is on the coaching staff or the players. It's just they're got to figure that out. They'll feel that out. Doug will feel that out. Like, okay, you want to pressure me? You you want to try and take this away, this handoff away, 35 feet? I'm just going to blow by you. That's fine. And that takes a lot of trust, and that takes a lot of time. So will they get there? I have no idea. I think Doug will eventually get there in his career. Uh, I foresee him being point guard at Michigan for a while, as long as, you know, other opportunities, lucrative opportunities don't arise out of it. But he'll eventually get there with that confidence. I fully believe it. I mean, you, it, it comes in and out of spurts, and he'll figure out how to channel it, when to channel it, when to punish a defense. Um, it is such an underrated trait of knowing when to do things. And you see it a lot of times, like Doug tonight, there's a few times where I thought, Doug, you can be aggressive yourself, getting yourself points and getting into the paint, or you can kind of be aggressive, like, all right, we're going, we're, I'm taking control, we're going right into Hunter pointing out directions there was one point where they called a play and Terrace wasn't didn't wasn't setting it he wasn't getting getting uh, the message relayed into his brain and he was supposed to set a pin down for jace and terrence is just yelling at Terrace like you th this we, we just said it five times go set a pin down already and it worked out like uh jace came off the pin down hit a little right foot right right hand floater it was kind of pretty and it worked out well and you they need more of that. Like Terrence is a guy that can do it from his position, but they just need more direction. Like on the court, they're fully capable. It, it's really hard. I, I said, kind of started out saying that um, Doug should do it, but when you're getting pressured like that and you're still trying to direct, it's, it's very difficult. That's why I think any pressure right away, like just go beat it or, or call a ball screen quick and then, you know, beat that man, beat the big man from 40 feet. But they'll figure that part out. Or at least Doug will. I don't know if it'll be this year, but I, I have full faith in him as the point guard of Michigan basketball in the future going on from here on out. Um, overall, the offense was decent. I, I, I really do think it came down to a lot of what Hunter was doing or not doing. Um, he didn't get nearly enough shots that he's used to. Not, not a lot of enough possessions where I think he was making a real impact with his passing as well. I think he did a good job passing. He did. He did a good job filling out the double team. But overall, just wasn't. I mean, I, I think probably the worst I've seen him play in a big game. I'm trying to think of another one. Probably the worst. This is where, but you know, these things happen. I'm not worried about it going forward. I, I think it'll motivate him. But um, I hope that he sees he needs to be more aggressive from the jump, and then just play solid defense and play big. Um, they ran, they ran post ups pretty well. They ran a lot of ball screens. It, it was kind of a lot of ball screens. They, they would flow. And this is the this is the thing with the motion offense. Is a lot of times you get in grooves with it. Like you'll flow and you'll score seven in a row. Like they did open the game, um, responding to UNC's five zero run to start the game, and they looked really good. And then they would just kind of like look at each other, five out for a while. For a few possessions and then they get back into a flow and they'd be more aggressive and other guys would feed off the aggression it's like all right it's my turn to be aggressive and it all works out and it clicks 
And then you get like one possession again where you're looking at each other. And then, okay, the next possession, you're kind of like, okay, we should settle down and figure something out. Well, then that turns into like zero aggression. And the third one, they were kind of pressing. So it just, it goes in waves that way. It's funny how that stuff works. Like you really build off your teammates that way. Um, and and I, it's a problem that they have. I, I feel like they didn't run as many sets this game as they have in previous games. I don't know if they really ran the zoom action very much with that, that handoff, pin down, handoff, ball screen action they do where they're just going in and out across like side to side. Uh, Eric Shapiro broke down a video on Twitter, um, showed a few possessions that they've run it. I don't really think they ran that very much tonight, and at least not very crisp. Anything they were doing wasn't super crisp or aggressive. The handoffs weren't super aggressive. Um, so overall, like they were, it just kind of went in and out. It was odd. It wasn't like they were like super close. It was like they were just not there or they were on. It was it was kind of interesting. What I really didn't like offensively was. It, it is the ball stream with not moving. It's like I said before, you have Nance. Nance can guard Ter- like Doug is coming off a ball screen towards him and Nance can guard, you know, help on the ball screen a little bit and also guard Terrence if he catches the ball in the perimeter. The spacing, the spacing was fine. But when you have a team like that, that's figure that's comfortable with your spacing, they're like, all right, I know exactly what's going to happen here. And I'm comfortable just sitting right here in this spot, knowing I can get to both both people. I can get to helping in the ball. I can get to my man if he passes it out. As soon as a defense knows what you're doing and gets comfortable, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to play defense. That affects so many other parts of the game. It makes you less, it makes you more confident on both ends. It makes you less scrambled brain-wise on both ends. Like it just affects all of it. So by play, being predictable, like you're affecting the entirety of the game. I truly do believe that mentally. Some people might call me crazy, but I, I truly do believe that in a lot of cases. Michigan needs to move more often on those ball screens. What I would really love to see is more cuts. Like if Doug's coming towards Terrence at the top of the key, if Terrence goes and sets a pin down, you know, while Doug's coming off the screen. And I don't know if that man can help as much, or if he's going to set a flare, maybe Terrence starts in the corner and you have Jace strong side. So what's one really good way to open up space on the strong side if you want a guy coming off a ball screen is to have a shooter right there uh, on that lane line or like in between the lane line and the wing. So if somebody's going to help off Jace, good luck. That, that dude will pull on you if you're 7'10". He doesn't care. Like if, you, if you're going to be able to hit Chase off of a strong side, little quick boom action off of the ball screen, Chase will shoot that. Jace will shoot, shoot that. So switch up where those guys are on the court helps. Um, because now if teams are going to start playing you strong side, I'm sorry, hedging a little bit or playing more help off the strong side and you're not hitting that guy coming up off the weak side behind you, behind the ball screen, they haven't hit that man like, really at all. And and that's odd, especially with the type of players they have in the team they have, like a big screen setter, um, the shooters they have on the wings, like Jace, they really haven't been able to hit that that guy rolling back up, uh, replacing where the ball screen action was, which is interesting, and and they need to do more of that. Overall, it's the spacing and movement, and not really moving the ball off of the ball screen too. Like, I think that if you're going to have strong side sit and help side defense, and they're going to hedge a little bit, you got to move that ball forward. I mean, we talked about it. It seems like a million times on this podcast about. 
how teams are defending Michigan's ball screens, and they're just still not doing a super great job. Doug did get past, did beat the top side of the big man when he was hard hedging a couple times. That was when the top was wide open. That was pretty good. That was good to see. They got some good action out of that. But overall, again, they're just not moving the ball. You punish teams by moving the ball in those instances, especially when the big man gets past the three-point line. As soon as the big man gets past three-point line, you got to find all the ways to punch him. It, that might mean – see if you can follow me here, picture it. Like This would be a perfect example. So Doug's on the left wing. Okay, He's coming off towards the middle. With his right hand, going towards his right, towards the middle. Hunter is setting the screen, and he's rolling, okay? Armand Baycott hedges a little bit, just enough. He's past the three-point uh, three line, all right? And Hunter is inside the three-point line, okay? So stay with me. Doug, going right, and instead of trying to dribble, 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 dribble several times and then find the mismatch, if he can come back to the same side to post it into Hunter, instead he just throws it ahead. Throws it ahead to the strong side. All right, lane line on the right side, throws it ahead Terrence. Terrence immediately... Because it's not a great angle to throw it into Hunter from there. Immediately throws it to the right side. That's Jace on the right corner. And then where position-wise, boom, boom, pass, right? That takes, let's say that takes like a second to go boom, boom, pass, second and a half. Armand Baycott is now like at the elbow trying to recover to Hunter, and Hunter is already in the paint. Got great position. All right. Now the other weak side could help a little bit. He might be on help side completely. And then that's where you need movement on the backside. So it's all all on unison, but overall, like, you know, I, I'm if, if Hunter, if somebody's going to help off, you know, if you're double teaming on the help side like that, somebody else is going to be open if you're going to be moving. The whole point is move the ball and then move your ass. Like it, it goes both ways, and I think that's that's it from a player and coach standpoint. I mean, you saw Eli do it a lot last year because he was smart and he knew that that was necessary. And it was going to not only get his teammates open, but eventually it was going to get him shots. And I think Terrence, that's one thing Terrence can do better. I think that would help him out a lot is to keep moving. And there was a couple of times he was doing, I think pretty good with that in the second half and he hit a couple of threes. Um, but that kind of has to be on him. And I think Kobe, like Doug and Jace, because they're just more veteran that that's pretty much comes down to it. I mean, Terrence is still, still junior, still young. Kobe's a sophomore, still very young, figuring out himself. Um, but that has there has to be more of that. Like it was very underrated what Eli did last year and opening that up for everybody. And Terrence can do it. You've seen Terrence do it over and over and over again this year, being able to move and dictate kind of angles that the defense is playing. Like, all right, you want to take that angle? I'm going to move here for the high low and boom, right into Hunter. And then, you know, this was a big game. This was uh there's a lot of nerves, so a lot of that clear mental space to be thinking that way, that confidence to be thinking that way is not quite there. It's not not the same way, and that's – you don't want to say, oh, well, there's teams not good enough. To, but that's everybody. That's, like, all the time. The, the, you see, like, even, like, a guy like Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, they don't think. There, there's no – you know, they have nerves, but they just fight through their nerves by just chucking up shots. You'll just throw it off the backboard. You saw that a couple of times from Caleb Love. They just keep going. The nerves still affect them. So that that what happened with their whole run last year. It was just when was Caleb gonna you know wind down and just have a bad game? And sure enough, that was a national championship game. That was you know lost me a lot of money. Thank you, Caleb. But overall, they are the team is. I still have I still have hope. I mean, UNC controlled the whole game. 
and they controlled Hunter. It came down to controlling Hunter. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of where else. Like, I, I do have a lot of positive things to say about Kobe and Jace. They were awesome. I still think Doug was pretty good. I think there he could pick his spots, you know, a little more and, and be more aggressive offensively and, you know, get some shots, get some, get to the paint. He, he drew, drew some fouls in the second half. I think he did well. I think he was maybe could have turned it up like 10% for himself, but I'm not worried about him. He's still figuring that part out. He'll figure it out for sure. I think it really just kind of came down to Hunter. Um, the rest of the team I think is, is there. Uh, it's, it's close. They're, they're close defensively. They still got to figure out who they are. I really don't love the zone, but I know what it's there for. I think if you want to play a team with their lack of depth at guard, I think the three quarter half press, it's really not. It's just there to slow down a team by four or five seconds. And then you get back into the zone and then the team goes, okay, uh, what are we going to run? And that takes 10 seconds. And then they get down to it. And then they're just at a end of the shot clock and they run a ball screen and your defense didn't have to work very hard. That stuff I, I would like to see more of maybe some, some light pressure, heavy quotations under with uh, around pressure, just kind of slow them down and then mix up the zones. I think they could run a three, two zone. I think it would be better than the two, three that they're running. I don't really like the two, three that they're running. I think you could play Jace at the top and run a three, two. I don't think they practice that. I mean, all in all, like they're just their hands are down. They're not super active, and that high post is wide open, and they just kind of miscommunicate on things. I mean, if, if they really have to improve defensively in order to reach their potential or close to their potential, I think offensively they got the talent. I mean, they have the talent on both sides. Well, no, they don't. They're learning the talent defensively. It just takes a, it's, it takes a, it's a process to learn that and be connected at all times. Um, but offensively, I really do think they have the talent there when they piece it together. I'm not really worried about that at all. Uh, so, you know, we say we're going to give them time in the last few weeks, but you're getting down to it. Like you got to, you got to win, win games in the big 10. Now, if you go, if you're not winning games in the big 10, you know, if, I'm not saying disaster, but you could be fighting for a spot again. And, I think this team is too good to be fighting for a spot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think I want to end with Joey Baker and some of my thoughts on getting him minutes. And if he's going to be aggressive, then I think that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. Can he be a little slow on point guards out there on the perimeter? Sure. But I don't know what your other alternatives are, to be honest with you. Like, Maybe some closeouts aren't great. I don't know, but he's working his ass off out there and he's going to be aggressive from the line. Like if you're going to, if you can have him and Jace out there at the same time, and then, you know, Doug is capable and Kobe is capable. You could have that lineup out there for 15 minutes a game. I think it's, it's huge. And you have the legs that you need because Terrence, where I think Terrence really needs to get into it is defensively. And so he's going to need some of his energy there. I don't, I don't know if you can play Terrence 35 minutes because of all that he has to do. It's just, it's just tough on him, but Joey overall, I think has a spot at the four. I think even at the three in some games, depending on the matchup, uh, guys are slow. You know, it really just depends on the matchup and who they're playing, but you got to get him more than 10 minutes a game. You got to get him 12, 15, 16 minutes a game. And, run him some screens, like get him open, run him, 
have him strong side entering it into Hunter so they can't double down from the strong side. So then if they do double, it's coming from the weak side, and then you're three on two on the weak side, and that's pretty easy basketball, if you ask me, if, if you're hitting shots um, and if you're cutting to the basket for some good ones. So there's just some situations I think that they they have the talent. They just got to piece it together and put them in the right spots. And they're figuring that out. I mean, Juwan just basically had like a handed almost like a 30%, 40% new team with Jalen going out. Like you got to completely adjust your plan with, a, with rotations, with guards, with how he's figuring out how to – run the rotations for rest for these guys. Like it's a whole new ball game for him. Uh, just throws a wrench in the system and he's, he's figuring it out. I think guys are just going to have to tough it out and they're going to have to find ways to play solid, keep learning those principles, keep going over film. Like I know they do. They're learning every day from their mistakes in games. So you'll see these things slowly, but surely improve. We'll just see where they get to overall and what that means for winning games. But they're pretty close. I see it there. I'm, again, hopeful and optimistic. Some people aren't because they just haven't won these games against good teams, at least the big names. And that's fine. I understand the frustration there um, and the concerns. Don't say they suck. Don't say they're soft. Don't say they're weak. Uh, I, I'm not there. That's not fair to them. They're figuring it out. They just need a little more leeway with everything and uh, again, talent is there. Very excited to watch the upcoming schedule, see how they adjust some things, uh, particularly defensively, and if they could just stay aggressive on offense, mix in the motion, mix in some good sets, and overall just be crisp and to a point, have a purpose. Have a purpose on both sides and be resolute in that purpose, um, and the talent will then take care of itself. So we'll be back again. I'm not sure when. I don't know what the schedule looks like. Um be back sometime next week. Hope to have somebody on. Um, but stay tuned for that. Appreciate everybody listening. Stay optimistic. It's there. We're, we're, we're getting close. It, it's almost there. Just a few things. So stay optimistic, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Until next time. <laughs>